It's Mix 93.8, some legendary radio for your Monday evening. It is What's Involved. Proudly brought to you by Retire Rich and Happy. We've had Lawrence in here. Uh, he's been talking about uh, the game of wealth, the game of money. Uh, now we talk a little bit uh, more, more, more seriously on the one hand, but more lightheartedly, I think, on the other hand. Uh, my special guest in studio with me tonight is Joey Evans. Now, if you haven't heard of Joey, you might go, okay, so what? Who is Joey when he's at home? Well, we're about to find out... Uh, all about that. He is the author, I can tell you, of an amazing book um, called From Para to Dakar. It's not a spelling mistake, okay? From Para to Dakar. Uh, it's all about his journey from uh, overcoming paralysis and then conquering, okay? Conquering the Dakar rally. What blew me away was you didn't just start it. You were like, Excuse me, I have to share this, but dumb enough to finish it as well. <laughs> Joey Evans, welcome. Uh, cheers. Thank you. Awesome to be here. Thanks. <laughs> so so it's it's an amazing book and I want to get into this this whole writing the book thing, but let's let's sure. start off at the very, very beginning. Uh Tell me a little bit about Joey as a kid. Where were you born? Brought up where? Yeah, I grew up in Kempton Park on the East Rand. Um, Another East Rand boy. You got there a Benoni go. boy here. Represent. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I grew up in Kempton Park. You know, went to Birchakers Primary and then Norcombe Park High. And you know, I loved riding BMXs growing up. That was you know myself and all my mates, my brothers. We had BMXs and we'd go in the felt and build ramps and and those kind of things. And so we we grew up pretty free you know a lot different to i think the way my kids grow up today and those kind of oh, things you know we were free to just kind of build forts and do all sorts of stuff and and yeah we rode these bmx's and i guess my you know i had a, a couple of mates in high school who raced motocross and man i i just wanted to ride motorbikes i wanted to you know race dirt bikes and and those kind of things but growing up in a big family there wasn't there wasn't money for motorcycles and stuff so my whole childhood was really spent uh, you know playing soccer and riding bicycles Okay, and then when when did it happen for you that you that you got onto a motorbike? Well, I was 26 actually when I bought my first motorcycle. Really? Yeah. So I mean, I you know saved up money, you know myself, you know working working my jobs and paid for it with my own money, and then I bought a, a motocross bike, a 252 stroke, and started uh, riding. You know, motocross was really the thing that then just I, I loved motocross, racing on the tracks and the jumps, and that was just ah, oh, motocross was fantastic. Okay, so and you did you did fairly well at motocross. Oh, I I, lo- I loved motocross, you know, and and then I I moved on to freestyle motocross, which is where you have the metal ramps and the tricks and that kind of stuff. And I was a bit of a hacker, you know. I couldn't do any like I was I was you know certainly no top rider. <laughs> what is it about but, these, us East Rand lot? We kind of always got to you know to the weird and wonderful. Oh, for sure, for sure. And so you know I, you know I really enjoyed freestyle and could do a few sort of basic tricks and that kind of stuff. And and then I discovered you know, off-road and enduro. And that was, man, that was where I found my passion. And off-road and enduro is when you race cross-country, you know, going over mountains and valleys and through rivers and forests and dune fields. And, you know, I grew up doing a lot of camping and hiking and things like that. And so now to be able to race motorcycles in a similar kind of terrain was just, yeah, that was, enduro and off-road was just incredible. Now, the amazing thing is when you watch it Mm. on TV you, you probably get a better idea if you if you're a spectator. But on TV, yeah, it looks like you know the are standing around there, going up, bumping up and down, and it's an absolute jewel. It's an incredibly physical 
exercise. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a massive full-body cardio workout. Um, it, it really is incredible. And one of the things that all, all, all kind of off-road bikers really enjoy is when you get a guy who's a, you know, you know, a real fitness guy in, in, a, dif- in, in a different um, field, you know what I mean, whether he's a, a gym guy or something like yeah. that, and you take him riding on motorcycles and, and the guy's broken, it, not because we're any fitter, but it's a different kind of fitness, yeah. you know, and so it's, a, it's one of those, like you get guys who are good swimmers and they can swim for hours and hours and then you take them running and they can, you know, do a few Ks and they're sucking hard. Uh, listen, I, I've, I've been thinking about this biking thing and I reckon I could do five minutes at a push <laughs> and that's me done but i mean to look at you now i mean i wouldn't look at you and say okay you're a typical biker because um you you are quite well built you know i mean for me I, you know if i got onto a motorcycle now the the, the poor thing would say one at a time please i know <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm a little built for comfort as well um <laughs> You know, you push in your forties there, and uh, things kind of pile on. You know, but uh, but John, I when I was younger, you know, and when obviously there's different kinds of biking. You know, if you if you do motocross, for instance, and things, you've really got to be you know super fit. Um, same with when you when you're racing enduro and off road. But as you, there's so many other different types of biking. You know, there's adventure biking, which is just incredible, and you need some pretty good skills, but you can afford a lower level of fitness. And you know, there's there's a whole world of biking out there where you can find your place in terms of your fitness and what you enjoy and you know oh, biking is a is a big world with so many different areas and you are still and we're going to get into your story a little a little later on uh, in more in depth but i mean i look at you and i can see in your eyes you're still an absolute biking fanatic you're oh, absolutely sure. passionate about it <laughs> um we're going to get into that a little bit more my special guest in uh, studio uh, joey evans author of from para to dakar overcoming paralysis and conquering the dakar rally if you'd like to say how's it to uh, joey maybe uh, Send a message. You want to ask any questions? You know the number SMS four one three four eight. Those SMSs are charged at uh, one hundred fifty. Otherwise, WhatsApp us oh eight four eight double two oh nine three eight. When we come back, we'll be talking about the event that changed Joey's life. It is what's involved on Mix ninety three point eight. Proudly brought to you by Retire Rich and Happy. You can check it out at retirerichandhappy.co.za. What's involved? Proudly brought to you by Retire Rich and Happy. Find out more info at retirerichandhappy.co.za. Co.za. My special guest in studio with me, Joey Evans, author of uh, From Para to Dakar. I said uh, when we came back, we're going to get into this. I'm just going ahead here and assuming, because, you know, me, I just talk a lot, uh, <laughs> that you're going to be okay with this. And if you're not okay with it, just tell me the injury. Let's talk about what happened. You put it in the book, but I, I want to sure, hear about it. Yeah, so, no, I, so I'm, you a, were, I'm, I'm an open book with everything <laughs> as well. So you're welcome to fire away with whatever. But um, yeah, so, so what happened is I... You know, I got into racing and I got into racing off-road and enduro and I started doing pretty good and I, and I was lying second in a regional championship. And so, and, and for guys that do racing, they'll get it. You know, also guys that do any kind of competitive sports, you get in kind of a space where you can win championships or win races and, and suddenly your whole life sort of revolves around this and you're like, you just got to do this. And it was the second last race of the season. Um, you know, back in 2007 and I lined up on, a start, on the start line of a race down in Heidelberg, if I won that race, I could win this championship. And it was just kind of everything was on the line. And I thought, man, I've got to make sure I get a good start and things. And standing on that start line on that bike was the last thing I remembered. And the next thing I remembered was waking up, lying in the dust. My helmet was off. 
I'm looking up at the sky and there's just people looking down at me. And I'd realized that obviously being unconscious and it kind of occurred to me, okay, obviously I've crashed. I've been unconscious. This is where I'm at. And then I just realized that my mouth is full of dirt and stones and I started spitting out this dirt and stones, but it wasn't dirt and stones. It was my teeth. And what I'd done is I'd shattered 12 of my teeth just right down into the gums. Um, but that wasn't the worst injury because as I lay there with my legs bent, they were leaning against a friend of mine. And, and as they stood back, my legs just fell to the ground. And I just said to the medics, I said, I can't feel my legs. Wow. So you'd actually, you'd, you'd started the race. Correct. And at some point. In that first corner where all the bikes came together. You there came. Was a, yep, there was a pileup of bikes. And in the dust and mayhem, I was, I was ridden over as well by the riders. And... You came came to, to the, were, you, were you married? You were married at the time. Yeah, hey? at yeah. the time, yeah. I mean, I got married, you know, fairly young. I was 23 when I got married. And so the accident occurred when I was 32 and I was married with four daughters. Already four daughters, yeah. Eh? Wow. Or, already and only. It hasn't grown from <laughs> me, just to be clear. Just to be clear on that one. We might get into that a little <laughs> later on. But so, so you wake up there, you can't feel your legs. Did Did something start to register then? In terms of like the reality of the situation. That, holy crap. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm in trouble here. Not really, to be honest. You know, in the beginning, you know, you know, I've, I've, I've had crashes before, you know what I mean? And, and it's all part of the game with off-road racing. You know, there, there's injuries. But, you, you know, in my mind, if I'd broken something, it meant I couldn't race for six weeks. And I was bummed I couldn't race for six weeks. But it never occurred to me that this was a life changer, that this was a permanent injury that I was going to deal with the rest of my life. And so over the next 48 hours, I mean, I lay there in the dirt for, for about three hours before I was medevaced by, by vehicle. And then it was three different hospitals over the next 48 hours. And I landed up at the Meal Med Spinal Unit in Pretoria. And really uh, over the next few days is where I learned the extent of my injuries. And so to be told that I was paraplegic, I'd, I'd broken my T8 and T9 vertebra. I'd crushed my spinal cord and I was paralyzed from the chest down. And the outlook was that that's how it'll be the rest of my life. I was like, yeah, well, that's it, buddy. This is, this is you. Because literally from your chest down. I mean, Correct. Yeah. Any, anything, can you, can you crush a, a better vertebra? I don't think so. But I mean, it, that, was, that could have very well ended your life, though. Oh, for sure. You know, if you, you know, when you break vertebrae in your back, um, you know, you go a little higher, you break, you break in your neck. And if you yeah. break it high enough in your neck, That's you're it. a goner. Yeah. You know, you, it's game over. So, so you're lying in hospital, you've gotten the news. And I can imagine initially it must be quite surreal because you go from being this fit, athletic, energetic, um, and, and, and from what I understand in the book, family man. I mean, you know, Absolutely, it was yeah. all about the family, your wife, your children, yeah. uh, the mates and everything. And suddenly um, you're getting people in white coats saying, sorry, mate, uh, what you used to enjoy, not so much anymore. Eh? Well, well, that's it. You say you go from being this guy. The, the reality is you're still that guy. You're still that guy in your mind. In, in my mind, I'm this tough bike racing guy. I'm, I, I can do lots of things. I'm very capable. I don't need, don't need help with stuff. But suddenly you're just that guy in your mind where the reality is I'm sitting in a wheelchair, I've lost all bowel control, so I'm wearing nappies, I've lost bladder control, I've got a catheter strapped to my leg with a bag of urine on my leg, um, I'm missing most of my teeth, um, and I'm paralyzed in a wheelchair. And so your capabilities are at near zero, People looking at you, they don't see who you are in your mind, they don't see who you think you are, mm. they see that picture. Yeah. And, and the reality really hits home hard and it is incredibly difficult to keep it together not only physically but mentally it's a 
it's a very, very dark, difficult reality to be faced with. And, and I can honestly say I never truly considered suicide, but I got it. You know, for the first time in my life, I got what it felt like to look at the rest of your life and go like, okay. I don't know if I can do this, man. I, I don't know if I've, yeah. you know, I think, I think, you know, checking out is a, is is a an serious option. option. You know? I mean, Absolutely. if this is, if this is as good as it gets. Yeah. Um, and, and then, I mean, surgeries and yep. all sorts of things. Um, and y- you're right though, because I mean, how did it change in terms of, 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 of your friends and that? Because I know some of them came through in a big way yeah. and some of them stood by you, but also some of them, because I know people I you, are weird. People, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you drift apart from people when you don't have the opportunity to to still do the sports with them that you're used to. Mm, so mm. so certain friends of yours are like friends you go to the gym with or friends you ride bikes with or, or play squash with or whatever, you know. And when you can't do those activities anymore, you kind of drift apart. But for myself, I had incredible support, incredible support from my wife, Meredith, um, from my children, from my family. Um, you know, family and friends just rallied around me. I, I must say that I was incredibly fortunate to have the support I did. I, it was, I was blown away. In fact, it was so difficult having so many people help me and support me all the time that I, I clearly remember being there and thinking, I can't pay these people back, man. Yeah. I can't, you know, I just felt like I was getting in debt in terms yeah. of friendships all around me is how it felt. Okay. And then, and then obviously you got this news, okay, where, where they come in there and you get the Mr. Evans, this is it. Yep. Um, so you say from your chest down, did you still yep. have mobility in your arms? Yeah, arms, arms, arms weren't affected, shoulders weren't affected, my chest wasn't affected. Um, basically, if you could draw a line, it would be between my top two stomach muscles and my bottom two stomach muscles mm-hmm. in the front and then going up higher at the back. Yeah. Um, so, so it's kind of like you could literally draw, you can draw it with a, with a pen on your body yeah. where you can feel and where you can't feel and where you can move and where you can't move. It's, it's literally a line straight through the center of your body, kind of at an upwards angle going from the front towards the back. Okay, then they come to you and they go, that's it, Mr. Yeah. Evans, you know, psh, there we go, wheelchair for you for the rest of your life. Yep. Um, you go, obviously, through through so many stages that I don't think, unless somebody's kind of been there, I don't think anybody can really get what you've been through. Sure. Uh, we can empathize, but yeah. we don't think we can get it. Uh, but somewhere along the line, you decided, uh-uh. Yeah, you know, I had a lot to live for. You know, I, I, I had my four beautiful daughters and my wife, Meredith, and and there was a lot to still live for. But it was a case that I'm a, I'm a pretty positive guy. And I decided, look, I'm going to do whatever I can with this. Um, I, if I don't get to walk again, then I don't get to walk again. But I'm still going to live and I'm still going to make the most of this. And it, was, it wasn't a thing where every day I was like this warrior that you know, freaking working hard and sweating blood and, mm. you know, and I mean, there were days like that where I was, I worked hard, man, and I was positive and I was, you know, just kept fighting this thing. But there were other times where I'd lie in bed alone in that hospital at night and just cry. It was yeah. just so difficult. You know, you're staring at the ceiling and the, and the tears are running down the sides of your head and it is just so difficult to face another day with the same injury again. And then another day again, and another day again. It was just, it was just, it it, it felt like it broke you. And it and it, you feel incredibly undignified because I mean, as you say, oh, for you've sure. got a catheter. Yeah. You, you know, you you lose control of your bowels. So yep. you're having people having to attend to you, look after you, bath you, oh, wash you, everything. clean you. Um, 
that that in itself to come from from being this proud sportsman to that must yeah. have been an incredible challenge. It's incredibly humbling. But I can tell you now for anyone who, who goes through that, and there's lots of people who will at different times in their life, that it's all mental. It really is all mental. It's all in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get over that kind of pride and stuff, yeah. I mean, I had to go for so many tests and all sorts of stuff over the years. Now I'm like, man, you bring it on. I don't <laughs> care. You know what I mean? It's, You've been poked exactly, and Exactly. Oh, bring it. What have you got? <laughs> is, is that the worst, you know? So you, so you get over it. But... You know, going back to the, the positivity thing, you know, I did make a decision to live and I made a decision that I was going to fight this thing with the help of my family and friends, but, but I was in. I was in for the fight. But along with that, I'd had this dream, you know, to race the Dakar Rally for, for a number of years before that. And I always had that goal that one day I'm going to race the Dakar Rally. And when I was lying in that hospital bed, I thought, you know what, how cool would it be to come back from this and still race the Dakar Rally on my motorcycle? Oh. That would be... That would be pretty epic. And it became a goal from in that hospital that that's what I was going to do one day. Uh, we t- you talk about this, I'm going to race the Dakar. It's 9,000 kilometers. <laughs> it's not a stroll in the park. <laughs> For sure. When we come back, let's talk a bit uh, about that and about your progress from hospital uh, to get to the starting line. We, we needed more time with you, Joe, because uh, we're <laughs> going to try and cram all of this in. Get the book, okay? Somebody's just gone, please say the man's name again. He is incredibly inspirational. He is indeed. He's his name is Joey Evans, and uh, the book is called From Para to Dakar. Um, I'm assuming it's available through all good bookstores, uh, available online as well. Correct, and there's an audio version as well on Audible. Um, so you can get an audio version, you can get an ebook version, you can get a printed version. It's also available on, on my website, joeyevans.co.za. Uh, the audible version did you narrate it yep i narrated it and uh, my wife uh, wrote some parts in the book as well some of her feelings and she narrates her part oh listen i gotta tell you those <laughs> those little paragraphs where it's like yes. Mary the, oh yeah look you can see it's happening again man alive it was so so inspiration we're back chatting a little bit more to joey evans it is what's involved proudly brought to you by retire rich and happy you can find out more at retire rich and happy what's involved is proudly brought to you by retire rich and happy my guest in studio author of from para to dakar joey evans so we, we we ended with you sort of deciding that a goal for you would be to ride in the dakar rally this from your hospital bed um, number one, it sounds insane. And number two, if you know anything about um, the journey, I'd, how many people told you it was impossible? You know, it was one of those kind of things that you, you, you sort of internalize. You know, you can't tell a lot of people about it because here you're this guy who's, who's stone broke and paralyzed in a wheelchair and you're talking like, hey, man, I'm going to go race a 9,000 kilometer through, you know, race on a dirt bike through through several countries, you know, where half the guys don't finish and guys die every year. And, you know, the people will look at you and they'll be like, hey, I think this... I think this guy's on a little too much medication. <laughs> we need to change the dose. <laughs> so, so it was, you know, there was a there was a few people who knew about my goals, but it wasn't like a it wasn't like a big public thing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yep, then, but we that's where we were. It was at the time. It was a dream. It wasn't. I, I couldn't even call it a goal yet. It was really a it was really a dream still. Because at this stage, little to no feeling at all. 
Yeah, well, zero movement, you, mm. you know, um, from the chest down. Um, I could feel touch, which was quite fortunate, but no no pain sensation, no um, hot or cold sensation. I couldn't sweat below my chest. Um, all of that was gone. So, so what? What was what were they? What did the doctors and everything recommend to you? Because, I mean, obviously you ignored all of them and went on and 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 started to walk again. So, so what happened? Well, what happened was they fused my back at T eight T nine. So, so my my back was fused in an effort to you know release some pressure off the spinal cord. Um, and just prior to the operation, I'd I'd started to get a little flicker in my right big toe. So my legs had obviously all wasted away. I had these skinny little legs, you know, all the muscles atrophied and stuff. But then I got this little flicker in my toe that if I really focused and it sounds silly but I could make my big toe twitch a little bit and we went in for this operation and we came out and the flicker in my toe was gone and we thought man what have we done you know and then as the days passed the the flicker came back and as the days you know carried on and turned into weeks I got a little bit of movement in my left ankle and a little bit of feeling in my right quad and slowly but surely I started to get a little bit back and a little bit back but obviously once you get a little bit of movement back the muscles still gone you, you know and so you have to really work at getting all the muscles back and 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 slowly getting better and stronger and and there's some and so slowly i went on um to learn to walk again eventually but but that next year 2008 was a incredibly difficult year spending a lot of time in the wheelchair um obviously coming to terms with a lot of things that that, that never changed over the years you know to give you an idea I mean, here I am 12 years later, and I, and I do still have to use catheters every day. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things that didn't return. I still can't sweat below my chest. I can't feel hot or cold um, or pain sensation below my chest. Um, I still can't run. Um, and so as much as I got a lot back, I didn't, I didn't get it all back. But, but, you know, I got a lot back, and I'm very grateful for, for how much I did get back. What do you attribute that to, though? Is it... Is it- the the power of your mind um, is it the mind in combination with exercise what was it for you I think it is a combination of a lot of things you know I certainly feel very blessed you know to have the recovery that I've had um, but I do think your mind plays a massive part in any kind of recovery of any kind of thing you know when you are, when you wake up every day and you're positive and you focus on getting better um, that makes a big difference. I, I really do believe that. I don't think it's just kind of a mumbo jumble. Hey, try to be positive about it. I think mm. it really makes a big difference. But along with that, it, it's hard work as well. You know, it's it's very easy to lie in a hospital bed and 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 feel sorry for yourself. And can I tell you, it's you have every right to do that. You know, it's miserable. It's terrible. It's it really is. But you're not going to help yourself by doing that. And so you've got to kind of get all these things together. Get the best possible medical care you can. I had you know very skilled doctors. Um, incredibly dedicated physiotherapist you know my physiotherapist in the hospital um was melanie and she was fantastic um, and after the hospital you know um I, I went on um with you know physiotherapy for 10 years you know shanae bailey was my physiotherapist for many years after that and just you know there's a lot of when you have people like that who are just passionate about their job and they push you and they and they constantly strive to help you get better and better it's all part of that little formula you know it's the headspace it's it's good doctors it's working hard and and i feel you know being blessed as well family friends Uh, support i mean i mentioned that earlier that is huge an injury like this doesn't just affect you it affects your whole family you know you know my 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 kids paid a price for this my wife certainly did um you know my friends you know when people rally around you and 
and help to keep you positive and give you reason to keep going, it's massive. Yeah, because, I mean, it's easy when, you know, as, as, as a friend, if somebody lands up in hospital, yeah, you know, for the first couple of weeks, there you go, go and support, rah, rah, get better. But, you know, life happens. Yeah, so sooner after or later a, they're on their own. Yeah. After a couple of weeks, you're kind of on your own there, you know, yeah. and then it, and it really comes down to those people that care. Um, you, you, you mentioned being blessed. Faith, an important thing for you? Um, you know, that's a, that's a tricky one. I do see things different, you, you know, to mm. how I used to when I was younger, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do think that you need to believe that you can get better. Yeah. You know, and I and I do believe um, there's a God up there looking down at us and, and wants the best for us and things like that. Yeah. Um, and and I do feel very blessed. Exactly, love it. Uh, somebody, sorry, I got distracted by all of these messages coming in. Yeah, cool. uh, somebody says, "Me, a biker of 47 years, simply cannot admire this man's story enough." Uh, and uh, positivity rules. That's from Dion. So there we awesome. go. Awesome, nice, Dion. <laughs> and I think you know what. Yes, you know it's it's a terrible thing. It was a, it's a, it, it was a long road to recovery. Um, somebody said here as well, but you know from a from a crushed spine and a, and you know a broken vertebra, um, you're okay. You're riding again. I mean, does this mean everything goes back to normal? There's no pain. There must still be pain. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of pain. Pain it, must be something. Yeah. Must be your constant companion. Absolutely, um, it is, and it's one of those things where. Where people ask about pain because there's a lot of people out there. A lot of your listeners today will be dealing with pain with different kind mm, of injuries mm. and stuff, and it's one of those ones that's very difficult to deal with. Um, and I get asked about it, like, what's the best thing and stuff. I mean, pain is real and it's hard to live with every day. But it, but a couple of things, you need to find something that takes your mind off the pain. First of all, you know, a hobby, a, a, a challenge, yeah. a, you know, keep your keep your headspace busy, and that helps to take your mind off the pain. Also. We're in a fortunate time, you know, in the history of mankind, I guess you could say, where we have a lot of a lot of medications and a lot of knowledge about this kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of really good pain management programs that you can get on to to help you to overcome this as well. So I think a mixture of, of those two things is, is a good place to start to, to overcome pain. Um, a lot of people talk about uh, – I interviewed uh, one of the guys who was at the Singularity, uh, uh, Singularity University conference, a guy by the name of Adam Pantanovich. Uh, also, incredible pain issues that he's got. Meditation, he says, yes. helps a yeah. lot. Are you, are you a proponent of that or of quiet time or focusing on the good? I don't really want to always label it meditation. No, no, totally, totally. Well, I'll tell you what my meditation is. It's riding motorcycles. <laughs> you know? um, I promise you, you know, a lot of guys on the outside who don't ride – they kind of they, they see the the injuries and stuff and they think we're a little bit of a nutter yeah. but the truth is if you've ridden a dirt bike and you've ridden through the Maluti mountains in, in Lesotho or you've ridden through the northern cape through the Richtersfeld I promise you there's very little you think about other than the incredibly beautiful area and twisting that throttle and making it through the corners Listen, I got to tell you, a mate of mine had a farm in Zimbabwe, uh-huh. um, tobacco farm, yeah. and he had a little DT one two five, and just tooling around that farm, you know, on that DT, that sense of freedom. Yeah, it wasn't big and powerful and fast, yeah. But the wind in your hair, sense of freedom, I can relate to that. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's never about the size of the motor. It's never about <laughs> how new your bike is. It's about getting on that bike and getting out there. That really is what the beauty of biking is. Okay, so now. You, you, you've on the road to recovery. You've had this dream. Um, how long after you were released from 
hospital before you said, okay, I'm going to get on a bike again. And what did, I mean, <laughs> Meredith must have gone, you are nuts. I know, she didn't know the first time. We're not that dumb. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the first time was a little bit by chance. You know, I had a buddy and he was with another mate of his and they were riding bikes in the felt and I, and I went over to them and, you know, I got on the bike and I couldn't even start the bike the first time. I fell over the bike still between my legs. Um, it was a bit of a mess. But then they, they helped me up and I, and I rode around this field and I did about 200 meters on this flat, on this flat sort of felt area yeah. and, and just came to a stop next to them again. But not being able to run or jump or do all the other sports I used to do, to be able to twist a throttle and just move effortlessly was just incredible. It, it was just for my mind was just wow. And after that, I, I got a second-hand bike and I told my physiotherapist she needed to teach me to get on and off a motorcycle, which she was very excited about, as you can imagine. And and then we, we started to ride again. Now, now yeah, I can imagine she was excited because, I mean, <laughs> this involves rather large movements. Yeah, this, that's this, it. <laughs> this getting on and off of a bike. I mean, And one or two little risks along the way, yeah. Yeah, well, there is that whole falling off thing. Um, <laughs> how did the family relate? You know, how did they react? Because, I mean, listen, I, and I'm sorry, we are focusing on you, but I can't help but focus on your family because Meredith and the kids must be like, Super, super, super awesome people to go. Yeah, you fell off once. You were in. An oh, accident. they're better than that. Jeez. Uh, you know, um, like. Yeah, for sure. It, it was, and and a lot of people, you know, will look at it on the outside and go, like, man, she should have left this oak. And I mean, they're probably <laughs> right. But uh, but it's one of those where Meredith gets me. She understands me, you know, more more than anyone. And naturally, you know, she her personality is that, that she thinks I'm, I'm crazy to ride motorcycles, especially after the injury, and she totally thinks that's like, why would you ever want to? Yeah. But but she loves me and she cares for me and she knows that I get such incredible joy and fulfillment from riding motorcycles and going to these places. And so it's one of those that she sees that and she sees my need in this and she's like, yes, I want my husband to fulfill all his dreams and do his awesome things. And so as much as it's scary you know, for her, yeah. she uh, she backs me a hundred percent with with all these adventures and and things. I suppose though that 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 the freedom and exhilaration of riding kind of makes up for the pain. Ah, uh, it you know it really does, and and it's and it's and it's a little bit ironic, I guess, in a way, because after the injury, I, I can't play the other sports. I can't kick a soccer ball without falling over. I, I, I used to run marathons and stuff. I can't yeah. do any of that anymore. Um, I played, you know, soccer and, and skateboarded and I did all sorts of things. And all of those things, because of my injury, I, I can't do those kind of sports. But I can ride a dirt bike. And so the one thing that kind of took it all away is kind of the one thing that I can still do pretty good and so it, it has become like as much as it took so much away it's given me so much but i mean to look at you now you are i mean you're you're a well-built man and, i'm also I mean, married slow and, down and and, and what can i say <laughs> my fiance is listening as well so i've got to be careful here um, but but i mean you go to gym you obviously have to gym as well um what is what is that like well it's 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 difficult because you'll see a you, you know i, I can do you know, some uh, some arm exercises and bench pressing and stuff, and then I'll get onto a, a leg extension machine and there'll be a, a skinny 14-year-old girl that climbs off it before me and then I'll get on after her and have to move the weights down um, because there's uh, there's not a lot of strength in the legs. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy swimming, I enjoy rowing, um, 
and so I find ways to to, to work out. Orbitrek is something I do because I can't, you know, run on a treadmill yeah. or anything like that. Because obviously, I mean, people wouldn't think so, but bike yeah. riding requires a fair amount of leg strength. Oh, you stand most of the time, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. So I can't do like big hits in in motocross and that kind of stuff. So if I got a motocross track, I'll kind of ro- you know ride the jumps as opposed to really jump them. Yeah. You, you know now, um, and there's a lot of different challenges like that. But for the most part, I can you know I can ride, and, and riding is how I get fit. When we come back, I want you to skip forward and take us to the starting line of the Dakar Rally. Uh, So we'll do that when we come back. My guest in studio is Joey Evans. It is What's Involved, proudly brought to you by Retire Rich and Happy. Find out more at retirerichandhappy.co.za. What's Involved on Mix 93.8, proudly brought to you by Retire Rich and Happy. My guest in studio is uh, the one and only Joey Evans from Para to Dakar. Said we'd come back and uh, we'd like to find you on the starting line at the Dakar Rally. Do you want to give us a bit of a recap just quickly? So how did you get to the sure. Dakar? Yeah, so 10 years after breaking my back, I finally made it to the start line of the Dakar and you have to, you have to qualify to get there. You have to be selected. So it was, it was years of, you know, getting time barred races to finishing races to finally doing multiple day races and then building up to, to getting that international rally that I needed in the pro class in order to get my, that was the final kind of stamp you need on your CV to get accepted to Dakar. And then I got accepted to Dakar. Um, and then on top of that, I didn't have money to do it, but then we had to raise money and all sorts, which is a whole long it's, story it's in not, itself. You can't just rock up and go, I'd like to... It costs a substantial amount of money. Yeah, well, at the time, for me, it was it was 1.1 million. And I had... Uh, if I totaled up all my assets, I had nothing. I had nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'd, we'd spent our savings on going to Morocco, um, or, or, you know, for me to go to Morocco to rent a motorcycle, to, to buy a place on a... On, on a French team so I could go and race that. And and so, uh, you know, we had nothing, but we had an entry. And and like I've often said before, it took me 10 years to get that entry in my hand. I wasn't about to let a silly little thing like money stand in the way then. Yeah. So so you're there. Yeah. So we're on the start line in Asuncion, Paraguay, South America, you know, facing a, a 13-day race, 9,000 kilometers through Paraguay, Bolivia, and Argentina. And there was uh, three of us South Africans that stood on that start line, and off we went. And, you know, the, the race was just brutal. You know, I've obviously raced a lot over the years before the accident and, and since, and, and I thought I knew racing, I thought I knew the risks and that kind of stuff, but suddenly it's next level. Let's just, let's just set the scene, though, because they let the bikes off first. Yeah. Okay. And then all those other... Wusses that have got nice fancy roll cages and stuff uh, in the vehicles come after you. Correct. So they are chasing you. Yeah, they, they sent all the bikes. And when the year I did it, they sent all the bikes at four o'clock every morning. And then after the last biker, they waited half an hour. Then they sent the cars. And after the cars, they sent the trucks. Mm-hmm. So you know that you've got those guys on your tail. Oh, yeah. And cars and trucks are a lot faster than most of the bikers. So especially someone like me, I'm not running up top. You know, I'm running near the back of this race um, in terms of the bike category. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a pro racer. Um, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an average guy with, with physical challenges as well. And so I, I run near the back of these kind of races. And so I would get passed by cars and trucks every day. Now, you mentioned at one stage when the alarm goes off yeah. on the bike... 
and you kind of get startled because <laughs> now do I understand this correctly it, it warns you of oncoming vehicles from behind correct and and you mentioned startled I think I think it'd be more correct to say you crap yourself <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's it's pretty damn scary because you're riding along and suddenly this alarm goes off on your bike just and that means there's a car or a truck behind you that wants to come past now when these guys come past you they cover you in just a cloud of dust you go completely invisible and they cover you in rocks and stones the size of half bricks that just come flying out the back of those vehicles. So when that alarm goes off, normally they're about 200 meters back. You look for a place on the track you can pull off. You pull off to the side, you, you know, right out of the way of the track and you stop. And I would stop and I'd put my hand up so the, the vehicle behind me knows that, I, that I'm not going to pull back out in front of him and he'll come flying past me and then you're invisible in this cloud. And that's why it's important you're off the track because sometimes there's two or three vehicles in a row. Yeah. And so you need to be right out the way. Because this isn't a case of make way. This is like get the hell out. Oh, no, that's it. No, these guys are racers. You must understand that, you know, you see a car or a truck and you and you think of it these guys um the guys in cars and trucks are these are, are racers these are like teenagers on red bull these guys are out there to win you know they're they're hardcore racing guys and they're not they're not here to be polite and stuff i mean obviously they don't want to kill anyone and they're trying to you know race in, in a in a good fashion let's say but but they're racing make no mistake they every second counts for these guys so, so you're there, you, 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 you're hearing this. Sorry, just another one that's just come. There's so many messages coming in here. Uh, somebody goes, uh, well done, my fr- uh, well done to Joey. My friend was Ross Branch on that starting grid. Ah, yeah. Uh, and he's a mate of ours. Penny and Wayne say, well done. So there you oh, go. Ross, Ross is an incredible guy. I've just got to drop this quick. He's racing. He raced Dakar actually th- this year, and he's racing it again next year. And he is a guy from Botswana who is probably the best um, rally racer that that probably Africa has ever produced, and uh, keep an eye out for him in January. He's going to do really well. Fantastic stuff. So now you're you're racing, okay? This is this is a good couple of days. It's it's grueling. It's exhausting. You're putting up with pain. Um, it it wasn't plain sailing because that wasn't enough for you. So so tell me what else happened there. Yeah, so we we raced on, you know, and by you know, long story short, by the end of day five, I'm the I'm the last South African left in the race, um, and and I must say that by the end of day three, I felt like I thought I would feel at the end of the race. I was just broken physically, mentally. It was just so grueling and so dangerous. The the dangers had me just wide eyed. You know, I thought I knew danger from racing, but suddenly racing with cars and trucks in these kind of terrain over this kind of distance was just. It's just like you hear about guys dying at Dakar and you're like, yeah, 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 it's guys taking chance and stuff. Suddenly you're there and you're like, oh, <laughs> this is how guys die. Yeah. And it's not like, every, you know, every day you're seeing guys going home with broken legs and broken arms and being medevaced out in choppers. It's, it is very real. And, and, and here's you who's just spent 10 years yeah. recovering from an accident. Exactly, yeah. And, and along with a couple others along the way. <laughs> but... um. And so it all kind of came, you know, I, I got through each day bit by bit just hacking my way along and really just hacking my way through and trying to stay alive. And I got all the way to day 12 of 13, and that's when it all just unraveled for me. What happened? Well, I was racing along in the morning, um, and I was stone lost, but uh, that's normally where I roll at these kind of races. Um, but I was lost in the bike category, and I'm racing along on this two-spur trail through a semi-arid environment and the, the spurs over the years had gone really deep and they're filled with fish fish which is like a really fine dust you know like talcum powder yeah. and my alarm goes off 
and, and we can only ride at like 50 or 60 k's an hour and as a biker you kind of pick one of these ruts and stick in the ruts but the cars and trucks come through at like 120 130 and my alarm goes off and I look around expecting to see this car 200 meters back and he's, he's like 30 meters back doing more than double my speed. And I know he's expecting me just to swerve out of the way and I swing those bars and I try to just, just swerve right out the way into the bush so this guy doesn't hit me. And um, where I am, that two-spur track is just really deep and that front wheel won't cr- climb out of the rut. And, and I've committed my weight and I'm leaning over but this bike's not moving and this guy's right on me and I, and I literally just dived off the bike. The guy missed me by a couple of centimeters and just completely flattened my motorcycle. So you were riding the KTM? That's right, right. Yeah. KTM 450 Rally Replica, yeah. Wow. So oof, we're about out of time. We're going to have to do this. I've got the next guys looking at me. Gotcha. Uh, so you totaled, you totaled, the bike was totaled? Bike was totaled. It looked like I was you out of the were, race. You were almost at the finish. I mean, you were going to be finishing. What did you do? Well, a long story you know, after that, which uh, I think the guy's going to have to read it to find out, but the bottom line is uh, some pretty crazy things happened and, and found a bike in the desert and along with a whole bunch of other crazy things, we had an outcome that we, we certainly didn't expect. You've got to read the book. It's all I can say. Joey, <laughs> that was a hanger. <laughs> in conclusion, yeah. what's next? What's next for Joey Evans? Man, there is so many things I still want to do, but, but it Two little highlight things is uh, in January, I'm doing another race, um, the Africa Eco Race, with some guys from overseas where we're going to get some coverage on it. And then in, uh, I've got a big plan for next year where we're going to raise a lot of funds for guys with spinal cord injuries, along with the Adaptive Sports Fund, where we're a bunch of guys where we, we do things to help guys with spinal cord injuries to still be involved with sports. Wonderful stuff. Joe, we wish you all the best. We're going to have to bring you back and chat to you again. It was just, it was too short. We always say this, <laughs> but uh, this time was especially true. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, we wish you all the best and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again, I'm sure. Awesome. Thanks. There you go. My special guest, Joey Evans. Don't forget that book called uh, From Parrot to Dakar, uh, available at all good bookshops online. Otherwise, check it out, uh, joeyevans.co.za. Uh, and he's also available for speaking engagements. So don't be shy.